and welcome back to another episode of Chandelier Chats. I'm your host, Rochelle LaCour. We have a returning guest. It is the Dr. Mandy Swindon. I'm so excited to have her back. She is a naturopathic doctor. And today we're going to be talking about postpartum and motherhood and what that is like in that transition. So please join me in welcoming back Dr. Mandy Swindon. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me again. So fun last time. So I'm excited for round two. Let's do this. Okay, so let's talk about it. In your own words, what is postpartum? Okay, well, postpartum by definition is basically the the period after giving birth. So it's not like a designated period of time. Once you've had a baby, you are forever postpartum. So that's that's the the definition of it. But I think classically we think about it as you know that like nine to twelve months after after having a baby. But really, it's a lot longer than that. And what happens in postpartum? Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) The can of worms. So, yeah, so many things. I mean, you go from having super high hormone levels during pregnancy to a very sudden drop of hormones. uh, So that causes or can be the cause of a lot of, you know, emotions and (laughs) various feelings. But another thing is that it is like the fastest weight loss in quotations um, to go from like your full term, if you're, if you were a full term pregnancy, like that weight to having the baby, it's significant. And just that adaptation your body has to go through is, is just insane and and a lot of, a lot of work. And not only that, but like, you've gone through this very strenuous experience of birth. And then it's not like you get a recovery period, really. Um, You now have this baby to take care of and, you know, you're sleep deprived, you're trying to produce milk. If it's your first baby, you're just like figuring out parenthood even if it's not your first baby every baby is so different every you know like nursing or feeding experience is going to be so different even if you've done it before and it was easy or whatever um and yeah just seeking support and and maybe maybe you get it maybe you don't it's yeah it's a wild wild ride there's a lot to be said about the postpartum period and and at the end of the day day, it's so different for everyone Mm -hmm. so I can speak about my experience but it's not going to be it's just good to share but um it's going to be so different for everyone yeah can you share a little bit about your experience with postpartum yeah I I think mine has been pretty good it's been a bit I guess didn't meet my expectations in some regards because I had shoulder surgery when yes. I was six months old, which threw a wrench in things. Um, but I did hear a lot of like when I was pregnant, like, oh, you're going to just bounce back. Like you're going to have abs in no time. And I wasn't putting that kind of pressure on myself, but I definitely felt that pressure from other people like to meet their expectations that they had for mm-hmm. me. Um, and I, so in my pregnancy, it's normal to get a lot of 
what we call ligament laxity during pregnancy. So there's this hormone that's released called relaxin, which causes your joints to become more bendy, which we need to happen because we have to push a baby out of our pelvis. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we need things to be like elastic and bendy and and accommodate for that. uh, So the baby is able to do that. So normal to release relaxin during pregnancy. I genetically have a lot of ligament laxity anyways. So ligaments for your listeners who don't know what a ligament is, it's the connective tissue that attaches one bone to another bone. Um, So we have them in our joints. So when they become loose, our muscles around those joints become really tight, really hypertonic uh, to kind of protect the joint. So pre-pregnancy, I had a lot of this ligament laxity. And then obviously that got much worse during pregnancy and like fairly early on. And uh, from what I've read, it takes about seven months postpartum for those relaxing levels to go back to normal. And that's really important information to know, because even if you're feeling really good, your joints are vulnerable to injury and your muscles are really hypertonic to protect those joints again like that level of of laxity is going to be different for every woman but for me it was it was a lot like my joint my Mm -hmm. body did not feel like it was being held together very well so what I did what I was advised to do postpartum was for the first week stay as horizontal as possible so I could get up to the bathroom and that's basically it so and, and I did that my husband was my servant and did everything for me um and then the second week I was allowed to walk around my house and the third week I could walk around the block and then you know gradually increasing physical activity from there I did see a pelvic floor physiotherapist during my pregnancy and I highly 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 recommend that women do that during their pregnancy and and even for other reasons but we're talking about pregnancy and postpartum today so pelvic floor physiotherapist, I was pretty diligent with doing my um, pelvic floor exercises during my pregnancy, um, which was eye-opening and just really good to knowledge to have regardless of having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I tried to do those exercises as soon as I could postpartum, um, went to actually see my pelvic floor physio, I think when I was six weeks postpartum may have been a little bit later um energy wise I was feeling pretty darn good (laughs) so (laughs) my birth was it was long it was a lot longer than I had expected um but I didn't tear woo (laughs) so my recovery was pretty quick but I put so even though I felt good I had to like you know tell myself no stay horizontal and my pelvic floor physiotherapist explained to me the importance of that. Like your pelvic floor muscles go through something quite traumatic, regardless of tearing, regardless of like the position of the baby, like you still need to allow those muscles to tighten back up and heal completely. And being horizontal is a good way to do that because then you're not, basically gravity is um, putting putting weight on your pelvic floor. So if you can be horizontal, you're taking gravity out of the equation and and allowing your pelvic floor to truly rest. Um, So I listened to the advice horizontal for a week, um, walked around my 
house the second week, around the block the third week, and then that's when I started to actually uh, work out again. Again, like very gentle things, um, just upper body or rowing. I bought myself a stationary bike as my post as my push present or like the postpartum yeah. gift. Yes. And that was such a blessing. I really love high intensity workouts and you can't really do a lot of high intensity movements in that early postpartum period. Um, but biking I felt really comfortable with and so it was a good way to get my heart rate up a bit and you know, just like sweat it out. <laughs> yeah. Clear out some of the, the other toxins that may be in your body that need to leave after having a baby. Yeah. Um, I, from a body image perspective, like that it's, it's a work in progress, I would say. I mean, you hear lots of things when you're pregnant and, and you get lots of compliments when you're pregnant, like, oh, you look so great, it's blah, blah, blah. But then after you have the baby, it's like, it's, it's such an empty feeling from a physical perspective. You know, mm-hmm. you, like you had this, it's like you were a vessel and now it's empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and, and then too, it's just a weird feeling the day after I remember being able to like push all the way to my spine <laughs> like where because your organs are still up high so mm-hmm. that's weird and takes some adjustment for me I so my hips were the first thing to get wider in the early pregnancy um so like before I had gained weight anywhere else like my hips like the actual bones were getting <laughs> really wide which was fun (laughs) my pants didn't fit very early on in the pregnancy Mm -hmm. and they still like they're slowly getting back to how they were before but potentially they might never get back to how they were before (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so right now like I am at my pre-pregnancy weight but still some of my clothes don't fit the same like they fit different so some of them fit better and some of them fit worse it's just kind of it's kind of weird and uh a learning curve I'll say and actually I so I listened to your podcast with Aldana and how she talked about like buying different clothes for different seasons of your life and that was exactly what I needed to hear (laughs) yes like yeah just buy new clothes that fit you properly like you you know you had a baby your body's different it's not bad different Mm -hmm. it's just different and so Mm -hmm. you might need different clothes for that period of time but yeah I will say that right now like my hips are still a little bit bigger and my rib cage is still bigger and for me that's the changes my body had to make to accommodate a baby for some women they don't you know like they're just all baby and like their bone structure doesn't change at all um, mm-hmm. And who knows, like I'm right now 12 and, ha- 12 and a half months postpartum. So maybe things will get back to normal. I'm not just sitting around waiting for, for my body to like do its thing. I am, I love working out and I love eating healthy. That's, that's my life's work. So I'm obviously putting a lot of effort um, into my fitness, but of course, trying to like keep a good perspective on things. Yeah. So aside from the physical changes, obviously there are hormonal changes that happen. There are emotional Mm -hmm. changes that happen. What sort of wisdom do you have around 
that transition as well, because I, I recognize and I've seen it and we talked about this pre-show as well. There's a lot of information that is coming out about postpartum right now. I don't know if it's all the COVID babies or what, but <laughs> there's a lot of people sharing a lot of interesting information. And I'm just curious, like what sort of wisdom would you like to offer around that? What did you notice about your own process and how can women implement small things so they can feel good about the changes that they're their body is has made or you know feel good about the hormones that are all over the place yeah so I'm not an expert in this I mean I can speak to my story I didn't have I didn't experience postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety I put a lot of effort into making sure my body had all of the nutrients it needed so from a physiological standpoint a lot of uh, one of the reasons why some women experience postpartum depression and anxiety is because they don't they're so depleted they're so nutrient depleted iron is a really really big one I mean we do lose blood with pregnancy and and with breastfeeding and so if you're not supplementing like that's really critical and we know that iron carries oxygen it's responsible for carrying oxygen around our body if it's not able to do that or we don't have enough, our brain is literally starving of oxygen and makes you feel on edge all the time. So I was definitely a-okay in that regard for nutrients. And so I didn't have anxiety or depression. That doesn't mean I wasn't emotional. I remember being able to cry at any point just because I loved this baby so much. I mean, it's so incredible. And it wasn't immediate. It wasn't like, you know how you hear those stories about women, like the second the baby's placed on their chest, it's like, oh my God, I love you so much. That was not my experience. (laughs) He was placed on my chest at first. I was like, what is this little alien creature? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I am so glad that is over with. Like that was the most physically demanding thing I've ever done. I'm so glad it's over. Why is he this blue color? Like, <laughs> so yeah, those are my initial thoughts. But then, yeah, the next day I was like, wow, I could just burst into tears at any time because of how much I love this baby. And I felt like so proud of myself for, I had a home birth, so I didn't, um, you know, like no epidural and not that there's anything against that. I just, I personally felt a lot more comfortable being at home and I had a healthy pregnancy. So there was no contraindications to doing that. Um, but I just felt so like powerful, like I am woman, like yes. I, did, <laughs> I did this and this is my reward. And, um, yeah, I just felt like so good psychologically. Um, and then physically, it took a lot of effort for me to rest. And I know like that might not be every woman's story, but because I felt so good, because I had such a good birth experience, I just like, I wanted to walk around. I wanted to like break the the ru- rules or guidelines my pelvic floor physiotherapist had given to me. Um, so that, yeah, that took a lot of effort on my part. And lucky for me, my husband was like, no, like lie down. <laughs> I will get you whatever you need. So um, yes, I hope for all other women that they have that support, have someone that's just there for them to do all the other things. So you can focus on resting and, and taking care of the baby and just getting to know this 
little human you created. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about what it's been like transitioning from a single person to a mom into motherhood? Yeah, it's, it's so different. I mean, I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, so I went back to work when my baby Apollo is six weeks old, which is, you know, early for Canada, not early for the States. I think most mothers go back to work when the baby is six weeks old. But I honestly, I felt ready because I just, I have my own passions. I have my own life and I, I didn't want to give any of that up. And just because I'm a mom now doesn't mean that I'm not passionate about these other things anymore. Like I still absolutely love my job and, um, I, I wouldn't say I was like itching to get back, but I just, I felt ready. I felt like it was a good time. Um, and I know, you know, some friends just, they get really, what's the best way to describe this? Like they wrapped up in, in motherhood and it's almost too much, you know, like they just are baby talking all day and they want that escape, but it's, it's like all or nothing, you know, they get a year off of format leave and then they go back full time and it's like a crazy transition um but for me it was more gradual and just gave me this really nice balance of motherhood and still um doing my passions and recognizing that I am my own person like I'm not just a mother I have all these other identities still so I think for me a large a large part of me like didn't change and I'm you know, I still feel like the same me, but my capacity to love has exponentially increased. And I would say becoming a mother has made me a better doctor and has allowed me to really understand my patients who are parents as well. Um, and, and just, you know, yeah, like relate to them on a different level. Yeah, I feel like there's so much truth in that statement alone that when we have a life experience of something, it gives us a way different perspective and understanding of what other people may or may not be going through. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a really beautiful addition and gift to your practice that you're offering your clients. Yeah. How does that play into it? Because I understand a lot of moms have this thing called mom guilt. Can you talk about the mom guilt? Yeah, I, I still have mom guilt. Like that's, that's a really tough one. Um, I think dealing with the mom guilt was easier for me just because of my, the education I have, you know, I really understand the importance of, of sleep and eating well and exercising. And I schedule it into my day as best as I can. I mean, obviously there's, there's points in the postpartum period where, you have a lot less flexibility when it comes to your own time. Um, like I put my baby's needs before mine, um, but there is, I, I think there's a lot more wiggle room in that than, than we think. Like they don't, the second they cry, like I'm gonna, if I'm working out, I'm gonna finish my set and then I will tend to him. And I've just, be, I've just come up with really creative ways to work to do both 
Uh, and I'm very lucky. Apollo is such a good baby. <laughs> so when he was, it's hard to like talk about postpartum as a whole, because there's so many different stages and we've just had to adapt and, and roll with as things change. Cause it seems like you get into some sort of routine and then a week later, everything's different <laughs> because oh they're just goodness. growing and, and adapting so fast. So I remember early on, so last summer when Apollo was you know, still very baby and you could just like put him down and he wouldn't move. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was in some ways easy to, to do, you know, schedule in time for cooking healthy meals and doing workouts. But then at this, also he would be on this, like that first 45 minute cycle and then an hour and a half cycle of like sleeping, feeding, changing. So ha- like you can do like little 10 minute <laughs> bursts of, of exercise. And I, you know, you know, like I'm so passionate about fitness that I worked that in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now he moves around everywhere. He climbs everywhere. So it's just taken <laughs> some more adaptation, but then his, his little like cycles are three hours long. You know, he can be awake for three hours now so I can get in a workout, but again, like shout out to my husband for, <laughs> for being so supportive, building us this amazing home gym. I recognize my, my privilege in that, you know, not everyone has a home gym, not everyone has the fitness knowledge I have to know like what, what exercises they, that are safe to do postpartum, um, and access to these equipment for, so you can get a workout in when the baby's napping or take the baby outside, put him in the playpen and he's fine for the hour that I'm working out. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I still, I feel less guilty now because I just, I know, I know my baby so well that I know like I can, he can be doing something that makes him happy while I'm doing something that makes me happy. Whereas other times I'm like, you know, when it's winter, like I I should be letting him play outside or I need to like, he needs to eat at this specific time, but like, I want to finish those last 10 minutes of my workout. And I've had to yeah, tell myself like, this is important to me. And this is ultimately making me a better mom. Like I'm not mm-hmm. in this for the short game. I, I want to be a good mom for my baby's entire life and then some, and, and I want to be a great grandmother if my kids decide to have kids. So this is, I'm, I'm investing in their future and my future. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, you know, if it's, there's nothing to feel guilty about for doing that. Mm -hmm. There are two really powerful points that you, you shared that, that I would like to really amplify as well. You said you got creative about it. And I feel like there's like a fixed mindset about pregnancy. And then there's a growth mindset about pregnancy and postpartum, both of those aspects. And I think it's really amazing that you were able to have a growth mindset about being creative, about you know, where can I sneak in 10 minutes? Where can I make this time for myself? Where can I, can I get this in? Because I think, I think you're bang on about that. I think a lot of moms probably do identify as just a mom. They sort of, and then they say, I, I lost myself in that. I, I, I only know myself as a mom and my heart goes out to those women because there is, there is more than just that. Like being a mom would be such an amazing gift. I have not been blessed with such, such a gift yet, but when it does happen, you know, I'm sure I'll be able to relate a little more deeply about that. But I think that that's really, really powerful to acknowledge that and to say, hey, like, 
yes, this is really like, you know, this is my time and I only have 10 minutes, but yes, it's possible to build upon that and to get to the point where you, you know, that your little one is okay. And you know, the baby well enough and the little one well enough that you can, okay, he can be okay. And like running around and doing this and get to do something he loves. And I get to do something I love. So you're making sure that you're filling your cup and you're filling his cup. And I think that that is just so empowering and like, it gets me really excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I only have one child, so this is going to be a whole other ball game when there's, <laughs> when there's two or more, definitely not going to be as easy, but um, yeah, like I said, I'm grateful for my creativity and ability to prioritize my health and fitness. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people use that as an excuse, like a lack of knowledge as a, as an excuse not to cook healthy meals or make time for themselves? Or do you think it's just sometimes people just don't know? Um, well, I think it, like it's tough in the post, the postpartum period is so different than regular life. I mean, regular postpartum aside, I do see those excuses mm -hmm. a lot in my practice is of the same, you know, the same ones, lack of time, um, lack of knowledge, lack of motivation, and they're very real. Like I'm not beating anyone up over making these excuses. Like it is hard. It is hard to find time. And it's not just like, if you're doing a 20 work, 20 minute workout, it's not just 20 minutes. You have to change. You have to shower after, like maybe you need to blow dry your hair and straighten it, do your makeup. Like there is a lot more that goes into just the workout. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course the workout itself, like how do you know what to do? How do you know what's best for you? Especially um, with all the body changes that go on with pregnancy and postpartum. So I understand the challenge, but we do live in this age where knowledge is everywhere and support is everywhere. Sometimes you have to look really hard but you owe it to yourself. Like this is such an important part of health. Um, and, and many, you know, we know that exercise is a cornerstone for many other aspects of health. Uh, so if anyone doesn't know where to start with healthy living, I would recommend starting with exercise. People are so much more motivated to eat healthier or like quit smoking if they're a smoker and sleep better. Um, so they feel good for their workouts. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I've, I've noticed in my experience with just working in the fitness industry and, and even in my, in my practice, I see that a lot. Um, so if, if your reason for not for not exercising or being active is you don't know what to do, I would urge you to seek support. And even if you do have some knowledge, support is out there and it's so awesome. We can't expect to know every, all the ins and outs of, of fitness and, and especially like what we need to do for us. Mm -hmm. And so many people really require that external accountability and having, you know, like a personal trainer or a coach or like even just a friend that you work out with um, can be so helpful and so motivating. Yeah. Okay. I really want to circle back to when you were pregnant and you had the uh, pelvic floor physiotherapist. I remember only because, you know, I follow you on social media and like creepy all the time. I'm like, what's Dr. Mandy doing? <laughs> um, 
you worked out almost the entire time of your pregnancy as well. So can you share a little bit about how that coupled with the pelvic floor physiotherapist was like really supportive in your pregnancy, perhaps in your birth as well? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So again, like my experience is weird because it was a pandemic and then I had this labral tear in my shoulder. So uh, but seeing the pelvic floor physiotherapist was really helpful. So at the beginning of my pregnancy, I was still doing CrossFit. And some of the techniques that we teach in CrossFit and in powerlifting, Olympic lifting are big no-nos when you're pregnant. Um, so for example, when we're teaching someone to do a back squat, we'll say like inhale and you like increase that intra-abdominal pressure and then you squat. And that, like, that was the first thing my pelvic floor physiotherapist told me. She's like, that is um, a good thing to do from a performance perspective when you're not pregnant, do not increase your intra-abdominal pressure when you're pregnant. Um, And so just right off the bat, like I can't lift as heavy because you know, that's what you you do when you're maxing out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she gave me some other really, really good tips that were individual to me and what I liked to do for fitness. So I would say I, I stopped doing CrossFit but quite early in the pregnancy. And that was twofold. One, because I couldn't do a lot of the movements or I could, but you know how CrossFit is like, it's intense. You're mm-hmm. being competitive. So to do them for me and, and be safe, I obviously had to let go of my ego mm-hmm. which is hard to do <laughs> yes <laughs> especially we all understand. like people didn't know I was pregnant and like I, it was so early that I couldn't really tell many people um so that was one reason and then gyms started to close mm-hmm. um at that time so I didn't have access to a CrossFit gym anymore which was probably good for me and so then I started just doing more like bodybuilding type of stuff um I wasn't able to squat really early in my pregnancy because of what I mentioned before like I personally have a lot of joint laxity it got worse with pregnancy so it just didn't feel good for me to squat um I could do things like leg press and and I adapt when gyms were still open I would like adapt my workouts to what I could do um and then when gyms close, as I mentioned, like we, my husband built us a home gym. So that was, that was really, really helpful. And just again, like having his support and like, he's really creative with workouts as well. So he helped me for machines. Like I was like, oh, I want to do leg extensions, but we obviously don't have a leg extension machine in our home gym. So he just came up with creative ways to do like a similar movement with the equipment that, uh, that we had. So yeah, I just had to like adapt my workouts for what my pelvic floor could handle, uh, for what my joints could handle. And because I have a fitness background, I was able to do that. And because I had a home gym, I was able to do that. Cause I know like a lot of women who are pregnant during the pandemic don't have the luxury of a home gym, Mm -hmm. um, which is really tricky because as I mentioned, like you do have to adapt your workouts. And if you Mm -hmm. don't have all the equipment to do that, then like, what are you going to do? I was able to run um, pretty for a decent length of time in my pregnancy, but some women can't, you know, they're told not to for whatever reason. That doesn't mean they can't do other movements, but if they, if you don't have a home gym or access to a gym and like running outside is one of the only things you can do, and then you're told you can't do that. 
Mm -hmm. that's not ideal um swimming felt really good obviously like it takes all the weight off that was one of my favorite things to do um again like I had that shoulder injury so I couldn't always there's some strokes I couldn't do um so yeah I would say like I was good at adapting I worked out so I had Apollo and I was nine days past my due date and Mm -hmm. I worked up right until the day before I went into labor so I just adapted my workouts all along it made me feel really good I will note that you like physiologically it's very hard to go to intensity your blood volume triples and like your heart rate is um like it just can't get that high so no matter how hard you try it's like your body doesn't let you Mm -hmm. go anaerobic um and so for we haven't really talked about like safety of exercise in pregnancy but there is there's starting to be a lot more research in that in that area um i actually participated in a study that was on like pregnancy postpartum and exercise so it's hard it's really hard to get ethics so we have to do more like observational and case studies when it comes to pregnancy postpartum and exercise but what we're seeing is it's it's really good for the baby and um it actually it it helps like increase so angiogenesis which is like um production of blood vessels so the Mm -hmm. placenta will grow more blood vessels if you are exercising with pregnancy so that's really cool yeah which makes a lot of sense because you're you're constantly causing all the micro tears to your muscles so your body's trying to force that to heal and it's trying to grow this little human yeah so then when you're not exercising the baby gets more blood like more oxygen yeah oxygenated blood at when you're at rest which is really cool and I mean just you know n of one but my placenta apparently was very large oh yeah well I can imagine if you worked out right <laughs> up until the day like, that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah they uh the midwives showed me my placenta after I delivered it and it was like oh I thought it was so amazing I have wow. pictures of it I'm like this is so cool like my body made an organ like yeah. obviously amazing that it made a baby but like it also made this organ that's so cool that's so cool I would love to ask if I may what yeah. was your experience like with having a midwife oh the, it was amazing yeah um my midwife was so perfect I can't I'm just so glad that I mean having a hospital birth during COVID would have been way different than having a hospital birth at other times mm-hmm. um but uh, I didn't experience that because I had a home birth I just heard some not ideal stories mm-hmm. and not that there's again not that there's anything like you birthing women like you choose whatever you're most comfortable with um obviously birth is there are risks involved if you want to be somewhere where they're fully equipped to deal with anything like that then a hospital might be the best option for you or a birth center, but regardless of where you choose to have birth, you can have a midwife. And so I would highly recommend that, that the midwife is there for you. They're not, you know, they're not like running out into different rooms. Again, could be different in the hospital, but for me, like my midwife was right there the whole time. She did have to do a lot of paperwork 
and, you know, like check my vitals every so often and check the heart rate of the baby every so often, which was, I was getting annoyed with that at the, at the end. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of being a midwife. That's part of birth where, regardless of where you deliver. Um, I also had a doula and she was a godsend, just amazing. The doula does not have to do paperwork. So she is just there for you the whole time. And it was awesome to have that extra support and even just to support the partner, right? Like Mm -hmm. we didn't always know what was normal or like how to support me, like what positions I should be in, how to help try to help relieve my pain. And so sometimes she would just like tell him what to do. Um, or, you know, it's exhausting for the partner as well, like to be Mm -hmm. on the ball in that situation for mine was 16 hours. Um, so she would like give him some breaks every once in a while, like, Oh, like go have a snack. (laughs) We still have a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, so that like the team I had was amazing. So like my doula, Amy, my, my midwife. Um, so there was just one month, one midwife and the doula up until I was pushing and then they call in a backup. Um, so then there was, there was actually three, one, they brought a student, which was hilarious the moment they asked me if it was cool if the student came in (laughs) it's just like you know almost there we were almost we were at the pushing phase had already been whatever 15 hours of labor like sure oh my gosh it doesn't matter to me yeah can we just get this over with (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow that's amazing and I actually would love to ask what are some things that you like, or some advice that you would love to offer to partners who are supporting their wives through their pregnancy and who are like, what are some things that they can do that are helpful that you learned along this journey? I would recommend the book, The Birth Partner. Um, so actually Jamie did not read this, but I read it and I would just like summarize things for him to know. Um, we also took a birth class together because there's just you know there's things that they would have no idea about that are completely normal if you don't recognize that they're normal the, the partner might start freaking out and that's obviously not helpful so I think just educating yourself on ways to support your partner ahead of time so that in the moment the partner isn't stressed and, and can be this voice of reason uh, because as the birthing person you're just like in this altered state of consciousness like you are focused on the task at hand and I mean I had a great birth experience and I didn't have to use necessarily any of the like what ifs scenarios that I had in my head like if this happens this is my plan and like I wrote out a birth plan I shared it obviously with Jamie like we we made it Mm -hmm. together um Jamie's my husband um So I think just like being prepared ahead of time is the best thing you can do. So you are able to advocate for the birth person because they aren't necessarily going to be able to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, my birth experience was really good. It could have been way different if we were in hospital, if we had been recommended a C-section or, you know, things that I knew uh, I was okay with if they were absolutely necessary, but sometimes these things are recommended and they're not necessary. Mm-hmm. And so having someone to advocate for you and like know when 
okay, like what are the other options here? Yeah. Um, so the birth partner is a really good book for just learning all the different scenarios of what could happen with birth and, and how to support the partner. It even has like diagrams of pictures of, you know, positions to get in when you're in labor. Um, the birth course we took was really good for that too. We like practiced some positions. I don't think I used any of them in the moment, but yeah, maybe helpful for the future babies. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, like my midwife and doula were really great for telling me what positions to be in and, and just knowing when things were red flags and when they weren't yeah which is exactly what they're there for to make sure that things go smoothly Mm -hmm. and support you and I I think it's so magical and that's exactly my plan for (laughs) for when that happens magical yeah my husband calls it the exorcism so (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh he's such a man Our, my doula took pictures of the birth and they are so funny like they're which is oh not how you would imagine describing birth pictures but Jamie's facial expressions are just <laughs> I can imagine hilarious oh my gosh <laughs> I think that that's a, one of those things that is often forgotten about it's just like when we get married like everyone's hyper focused on the bride nobody's looking at the groom but if you ever look at the groom's face like and watch his face like I mean I looked at my husband's face the whole time you know like when I drove up on the tractor and when I got off the tractor and then I was standing there waiting for him to come get me and he was like just staring at me oh yeah you're gonna come get me or what and he's like oh yeah you know that's it's like my you favorite yeah. at weddings I, I always do that like look at the the groom yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look the at his face. coming down the aisle yeah it's it's the best oh my gosh it's mm-hmm. so amazing Dr. Mandy, do you have any programs or any freebies that people can check out as well? Yes. So I have a 12-week program. It's called the Hormone Performance Connection. And we are going to launch that again the end of September. So we're going to start it like week one will be the last week of September. Um, I believe the date is like the 27th or 28th. Um, we'll be offering a free like masterclass, just information about that and, and some little tidbits the beginning of September. We don't have a set date. We'll have a couple different options. Um, so that will be all posted on my Instagram, more information about that. And I have a couple freebies, more uh, about female athletes. So just like a little guide to optimize performance and working on, it's almost done a five video series on just how to track your cycle. So not necessarily anything to do with athletes, just for females of reproductive age, knowledge to have about tracking your cycle and how to do that. Because there's a lot of confusion about what are the phases of my cycle and how do I know when I'm in each of the phases? So those are my, my freebies. One's done, one's in the works. (laughs) Awesome. And those are on your website? Yeah. Awesome. And what is your website? My website is drmandymd.com. Oh, this has been just so informative and so beautiful. And thank you so much for for coming back. And do you have any final words of wisdom for today, Dr. Mandy? I would say, like, I guess, picking on the topic of parenthood, Parenthood is all about getting to know yourself as a parent and the baby. Yeah. So you will probably hear 
lots of advice from everyone else. But at the end of the day, like you're the parent, you have to get to know yourself as a parent and you have to get to know your being. Wonderful. Thank you. And how can people get in touch with you? How can they get a hold of you if they want to connect? Instagram is my my go-to. That's where I uh, am the most active. So it's my handle is at Dr. Nandy underscore ND. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here again. And thank you for sharing your innate wisdom about postpartum and motherhood and birthing and all the things in between. Thanks for having me. It's always so fun to chat with you. Yeah, you're welcome. This was fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you.